And so if you have your Bibles, would you turn to John chapter 4? I'm going to look at it at the New King James Version, all right? We're going to look at the New King James Version, and um, we're going to read from verse 1, John chapter 4. And a lot of you, of course, know the story here. It's about the woman at the well. But let's have a read, and then we'll talk a little bit about this, all right? So John chapter 4, verse 1, and it says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But here's the key, verse 4. He needed to go through Samaria. Hallelujah. For those of you that know, Samaria was, you know, uh, uh, they, they, the Jews didn't look favorably upon the Samaritans. And, and if they could, they would avoid, they would go the longer route around Samaria than rather having to go through Samaria. But here it says in verse 4 that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Amen. I want you to understand that every single person matters to God. Would you say that after me? Every single person matters to God. Would you say that in the campuses, in the overflow, up in the balcony, and one more time here in Mabel? Every single person matters. Now, by that, I'm not talking about unmarried person. I'm talking about every person. Every single and married person. But I'm talking about every person person matters to God. Amen. So in verse 5, it says, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, said, that's but by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Six is normally the number of mankind. So it's about Jesus going after man. This is a man issue. Or a human being issue. A woman, verse 7, of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me? I'm a Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Then Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater? Then our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him or her will become in him a fountain of water springing up into ever lasting life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. 
And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For the one you have, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he had talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did could this be the Christ? Hallelujah. Let's all bow our heads this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. That as your word comes to us today, it doesn't come in weakness. It doesn't come, my God, with, without purpose. It doesn't come without significance. But I thank you this morning that you and your word are one. And you said that, Lord, heaven and earth may pass away. But your word will never, ever, ever pass away. And this morning, I thank you that your word finds its mark in every heart. That God, whatever is missing, whatever is out of line, whatever is amiss in our lives, that your word would come with all of its power, that your word would come with all of its might, that your word would deliver in us whatever is needed in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, so I want to talk to you tonight, today, about happy hour. Amen. How many of you remember happy hour when you were in the world? You had your happy hour, and you, we went to a certain place, and we had a happy hour. Everybody, the drinks are on me, you know. We used to have a happy hour. Well, this is not that kind of a happy hour that I'm talking about. It's not the kind of drink that you're thinking all right? I need you to understand that. But Jesus came for a drink because he was thirsty in the story, but not the kind of thirst that we are thinking of. And I know that he was the God-man. We've often talked about him being all God and all man. And I'm not saying that as God wrapped him in the flesh, he didn't have physical needs. Of course he did. The Bible says he was weary. He was tired, and he needed a rest. But I want you to understand that this was a different kind of a thirst that Jesus was talking about. Psychologists tell us that there are three basic human needs. That number one, all humans have an emotional need. 
What kind of a need do they have? An emotional need. What's that? An emotional need is a need that, that says, I want to be liked. I want to be understood. I want to be accepted. I want to be loved. I want to be respected. That is an emotional need that every human being has. Number two, psychologists tell us that over and above an emotional need, everybody needs a physical need. You have a physical need this morning, and some of those physical needs are food. It's shelter. It's clothing. It is the need to be and feel protected. How many of you know that money is well? Finances are a physical need. But then the third thing that psychologists tell us, emotional, physical, the third need that every human being has is a spiritual need. What is that? That is a need to be forgiven and reconciled back to a loving God. I'm here to tell you there in Phoenix, there in Hillcrest, the overflow area, whether you like to believe it or not, we were all created by God, for God. Would you lift your hands and say, I was created by God, for God. Look at somebody and tell them, you were created by God, for God. Hallelujah. So locked up in your spiritual DNA is a desire for God. Whether you're an atheist, whether you're a Satan worshiper, whatever you are today, deep, deep, deep down on the inside of you is a desire for God. And sometimes we get confused and we get messed up and we try and fill that space with all kinds of things. This woman in this story tried to fill that space with men and she was on, and six men later, there was still an empty space on the inside of her. I know what it's like to try and fill that space with all kinds of stuff only to wake up the next morning to feel empty and dissatisfied. And you can fill it up with all the world has to offer and you will wake up every morning the next day feeling like as if you were betrayed, let down, and disappointed. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? But you see, the truth of the matter is that we all have a God space on the inside of us, a part of us that only God can fill. And it's a deep-seated desire to know God, to be known by God, to be loved by God, to be accepted by God. Can you say amen? And of all the needs, whether it be emotional, physical, spiritual, according to the Bible, the spiritual need is the greatest need of mankind. Can you say amen? So that's why when we talk about the reap vision, you've heard me talk about the reap vision. Amen. And so uh, that's the vision of this house. What is the vision of this house? The reap vision. What is the reap vision? The reap vision is basically reaping everything Jesus accomplished for the glory of God. Would you say that with me? Reaping everything Jesus accomplished for the glory of God. Say it one more time like you have a bit of faith. Come on, I want you to think about what you're saying. Reaping. Say it one more time. Everybody, one more time. Reaping everything Jesus. That's right. That is our heart's desire for each and every one of you, family. 
There in Hillcrest, there in Phoenix, the overflow and live stream, whoever is connected to this house, that is our heart's desire. That is our passion. That is what we live for because the cross was never meant to be exclusive. Hallelujah. Every promise was never meant to be exclusive just to a company of people, a, a few of people. Every promise in the Word of God are not empty promises. We don't have a dead Bible that contains dead promises, empty promises. It is a living Word, a living Bible that has the ability to impart life. It is a life-giving Bible. This is a life-giving church. You are in a life-giving life group. We are in life-giving modes when we worship, when we lift our hands, hallelujah. We're either receiving life or imparting life. And our job as the leadership is to impart life so that everybody, every single body can reap everything that Jesus accomplished when he died on the cross so that God can get all of the glory. Hallelujah. This is not reserved for a couple of people, just the pastors, just people that have been serving God for 55 and a half years, pastor. This is for every single person. That's what our job is. That's what we live for. I feel like I'm a Joshua that's been called to take every single one of you across the Jordan and into the land that flows with milk and honey. The land that flows with milk and honey is basically reaping everything that Jesus accomplished for the glory of God. We want you to reap healing for your body, healing for your mind, healing for your emotions. We want you to reap healing for your marriages. We want you to reap deliverance. We want you to reap blessings, untold blessings, unlimited blessings. We want you to reap favors of God. Hallelujah. Come on in this place. Say that one more time. The reap vision is what? Across the campuses right now in Phoenix, Hillcrest, Mabel, across the way in the overflow, everybody, one more time. Hallelujah. That's what we live for. We live to see every person reap every promise that's ever been written in the Bible. Hallelujah. And our serving you is so that you can become all that God purposed for you to become. You're not here helping me to become the greatest preacher on earth. Oh, I got this wonderful ministry, a greatest preacher. Oh, how wonderful John Torrance is. Ooh. No, we are here to serve you, helping you to become the best person that God created you to be. Hallelujah. Every single staff member, every single pastor is employed, paid by you to enable you to become the best you that you possibly can be. The best you that you can be in Phoenix. The best you that you can be in Hillcrest. The best you that you can be right here in Mabel. Wherever you are, connected to this house, to this family. Hallelujah. Bump your neighbor and tell them, God wants you to, to be the best you that you can possibly be. God wants you to be the best you that you can possibly be. And we're going to do that. That's our job. 
That's our job this morning. Hallelujah. We're here to serve you. And in our serving you, our desire is that you grow. Our desire is that you prosper, that you flourish, that you succeed, that you be strengthened. Hallelujah. And when we come together like this, what happens? It's so that we can be in this atmosphere together as the family across the campuses, that we can be healed, we can be strengthened, we can be encouraged. You came this morning to be blessed. You came this morning so that you could be purposed. You came this morning so that you could be uplifted. You came this morning so that you can be comforted. You came this morning so that you can be loved. You can be accepted. You came this morning, and in our serving you, we're telling you, that we value you. You came this morning to be connected. You came this morning to be empowered. You came this morning together and as we worship so that you could be appreciated and be honored, that you could be the best you can possibly be. Can you say amen? Amen. See, that's what we live for here at the Durban Christian Center. That's our heart. That's our heart We don't want people to come because we need numbers or we need to get our stats up. We need to get our numbers up. That's not the heart. The heart is we're here to serve you, empowering you, enabling you so that you can be the best husband that God created you to be, that you can be the best businessman, that you can be the best doctor, that you can be the best person, worker, whatever it is that you are. Hallelujah. How do we do this, Pastor? The continuation of our vision, the reap vision, which is reaping everything that Jesus accomplished for the glory of God. Well, how does that work out? How's that? What's the nuts and bolts of that? R-E-A-P. The R stands for reach, which another way of saying that is knowing God. The, The E is established, which another way for saying that is finding freedom. We want people to know God. After they know God, we want them to find freedom. And then when they find freedom, the A, which is activate, another way for saying that is discovering what my purpose is. Our job is to help you discover what your purpose is. The second greatest thing that you could ever do for anybody after they discover Jesus is to discover what their purpose is. We are here to help you discover what your purpose is. Right there in Phoenix, right there in Hillcrest, you weren't just born and then, oh, well, we don't know what we have for you. God is like, oh, I'm a bit confused. I don't know. We just throw a bit of giftings in him and talents and whatever, whatever. And uh, let me move away from that person. I'm confused. And let's move to this person. God had a plan for every person. Our job is to help you discover that purpose. Know God, find freedom, discover what my purpose is, and then number four, I can make a difference. You can make a difference. That is what our vision is. That is what we exist as a church. Can you say amen? That every person would have an encounter with God. That's the number one thing. Our Sundays are epic Sundays. Why? Because the E stands for encounter. We want people to come face to face with this marvelous God, this good God, this kind God, this loving God. Hallelujah. And then we want out of that for people to know God, to find freedom. Where do we find freedom? Do you know? That it takes people to help you unloosen you and deliver you 
because we were created to do life together. Life groups are that. People will walk with you through issues. People are there to pray with you, to fast with you, to encourage you through certain issues. That's what life groups are there for, as they share the Word of God. Yes, the Word of God imparts. The Word of God delivers, but you need somebody just to stand with you, just somebody to help you, to guide you. Can you say amen? And then to discover what your purpose is, my goodness. And once I discover what my purpose is, I know that I can make a difference in this world. I know that I can make a difference in that work environment. I know that I can make a difference in this KZN province that I'm in. Hallelujah. What's another way of saying that? The reap vision is simply this. Lost people being saved. Lost people saved. Saved people pastored, pastor people trained and discipled, and then trained and discipled people mobilized. We want to mobilize people, man. This is not about me. It's about you. Hallelujah. It's about you. It's about you doing the greater works, the works that Jesus did. He said in John 14, 12, he said, not only will you do the works that I did, but you will do greater works. Hello? Anybody in this place? Hallelujah. And so even though Jesus was weary and he needed to have a rest and water, his real hunger and thirst was to do the Father's will. What is the Father's will? Luke 19 and 10. In the New King James Version says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Hallelujah. The Message Bible says, For the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. The Passion Translation, I know you don't have that, but let me read that. It says, For the Son of Man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. To seek out, oh, you got the Passion Translation. Wow, brilliant. Let's give them a round of applause. They're on the ball this morning. Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. And I know that there are those who would say, well, according to New King James Version, to seek that which was lost. That is not a person. So he's talking about restoring the kingdom and everything that was lost through the fall in the Garden of Eden. But let me remind you that in order to have a kingdom, you have to have two things. You have to have a king, and thank God Jesus Christ is the king of all kings. But you have to have subjects for the kingdom. What's the purpose of having a king if he doesn't have subjects or citizens? So in order to have citizens, you have to have people that are encountering God. You have to have people that are coming to know God, coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Hello? The closest thing to the Father's heart is people, lost people at that. And every person needs Christ. I want you to say that together with me right now. Every person needs Christ. In Hillcrest and Phoenix, in the overflow right here, everybody say that one more time. Every person needs Christ. Say it one more time. Every person needs Christ. Romans 3 and 9, New King James Version, says that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. 
when he's talking about Jews and Greeks, he's really saying everybody in the whole wide world, every single human being, we're all under sin. And then he takes that further in verse 23, and he says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So every single person is in need of Christ. Hallelujah. And this is God's unconditional love for every human being. That he is madly in love with humans. I'm here to tell you this morning. God's not just in love. He is madly in love with human beings. As a matter of fact, we talk about it. We sing about reckless love. Somebody said, well, I don't know if I like the word reckless. I don't think God is reckless. Well, actually, to leave 99 sheep and to go for the one lost sheep, I would call that a bit reckless. Huh? Hallelujah. It's just emphasizing how madly in love Jesus is with people, with lost people at that. Hallelujah. God desires that every person come to the knowledge of Christ. Every single person. How do I know that? It's the will of God. 1 Timothy 2 and 4 says that he desires all men to be saved. 1 Timothy 2 and 4. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus used every opportunity. Hallelujah. And he recognized every opportunity as a God opportunity to bring people to salvation. Amen. You know what the amazing thing is, family, when I look at this? Is I realize, I realize that God has not chosen angels or heavenly beings or flying saucers or something clouds in the sky. Oh, look, I see the face of Jesus. I mean, things like that do happen. But he's used just ordinary people like you and me to reach the lost of our cities, the lost of our families, the lost of our neighborhoods. Hallelujah. He doesn't look for highly educated, highly sophisticated, although he can. He can use both the learned and the unlearned. He can use both the poor and the rich. He can use both the tall and the short. He's just looking for people who themselves have had an encounter with this awesome God. I find that across the Christian world, there's a lot of people that are just going through the mechanics of serving God. Where their heart is far from God. And that's why it's a big deal to try and win the lost, to try and share their faith. Listen, if that encounter with God is, yeah, we have had a one encounter when I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, which was on the 14th of November, 1982. But from there on, we ought to have daily encounters. Come on, I want to talk to you this morning. Don't fall into the trap of just the same old, same old, same old. You've got to guard your heart. You've got to treasure those moments. You can never have horizontal relationships. If your vertical relationship with God is, is at a miss, you have to ensure that in your heart there is that love. There is that desire for God. If you've lost that, you've got to get back to that place. If you've lost that, you've got to say, hang on, let me just put pause here, push pause let me just hold five on everything round right about my life. 
everything right now. Let me just put that on hold. Let me not worry about that. Let me not run with that. Let me not worry about that. Let me not go after that. Let me just get back to God. Let me refire that love. Let God rekindle that love because God doesn't have anybody else to be his hands and feet on this earth. There's not going to be some great evangelist coming from some unforsaken part of this world, Timbuktu or I don't know, from wherever to come. He's going to turn the world upside down. He's going to win everybody. It's going to be through ordinary people like you and me. And you know what the deal is? That God doesn't want us to theologize and spiritualize I think that as Charismatics and Pentecostals, we've done, we've done the unchurched a huge disservice with all of our peculiarities, thinking that it's the anointing. It's not the anointing. It's your silly flesh getting in the way. There's nothing spiritual about waving your arms like a windmill when you're trying to win somebody to the Lord. They're going to look at you and say, I think you need a psychiatrist. I don't think I need help. I think you need help. I'm just being honest right now. We do some crazy things, and we, 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 we coin it, we, we group it with the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. Mm. Mm. Spiritual. And the unchurched look at us and say, man, you know what? If that's your God, you can, you can. God, God gave you a mind. Use your mind. We're not in some cult where we are taken over with hypnosis. Ooh. Come on, do you have a mind this morning? God wants you to think about what you're doing. Hallelujah. I, I want to talk to you nicely this morning. I'm all for the anointing. I'm all for, you know, the expressions of the Holy Spirit. But a lot of what we see in the church is just fleshliness. It's just fleshliness. And instead of the unchurched running to the church, they're running from the church. Keep me from those cuckoo people. Come on in this place. Jesus didn't wave his arms around like a windmill and then roll on the ground and do some crazy things. He went up to her and just had a normal conversation. Tonight I'm going to share with you how you can have just normal conversations. How, how, do, we, how, do, we let, how do we lead people into encounters with Jesus? Oh, pastor, I just find somebody, and I'll start praying in tongues. Man, that's not going to help that person. Unless you bring the interpretation, they're going to look at you and say, I've got a psychiatrist. I'll, I'll, I'll give you his name. <laughs> they look at you and say, obviously, you, your medication's not helping you. <laughs> I'm serious. We've got we to use our minds. God's given you a mind. God's given you control. If you cannot control what you are doing, then you are demonized. You need deliverance. You need deliverance. Hallelujah. I'm saying this because we've heard the church actually is for the unchurched. Can I say that one more time? The church is actually for the unchurched. 
Hallelujah. A lot of us are uncomfortable bringing our unchurched friends because we just don't know what will happen. I feel embarrassed. Ooh. Who knows what's going to happen? You know, this is my boss I'm bringing. Come on, let's be honest right now. Hallelujah. But Jesus used something common. He said, can you give me some water? She came for a drink. She came to the well. He was thirsty, and he just spoke about something that really was of common interest. Hallelujah. And the rest is history.